earlier times in our life. Um, you hear a song on the radio from 1968 and you feel like you remember it as plain as yesterday. Anyone? Or no? When the band was doing that, I had a, I had a, a, a memory of uh, being a much younger man, uh, and before uh, I started serving this church, and uh, that song, Here My Lord Send Me, it reminded me of that kid. It is a beautiful thing. It is a beautiful thing that Christ finds us. He seeks us out. He whispers to our hearts in ways that only he can whisper to our hearts. And then he invites us on the adventure, adventure of faith. I'm so, so grateful that those years ago, the Spirit of the Lord found me and invited me into uh, his work. And I've got to spend my whole life doing this. And that song just uh, stirred that up in me. Our dear Heavenly Father, who can comprehend your way? Well, you've made it very plain to us. You've made it very clear to us that you are able to sympathize with us in our weakness because you've been tempted in every way just like us, but without sin. I pray that we can see Christ that way today. In Christ's name, amen. In the 1800s, uh, there was a war in the Crimea and more soldiers died from infection and from bad hygiene than from the enemies shooting them. And a lady named Florence Nightingale, she got it in her head that she could make a difference. And so she recruited some other ladies and they went to the Crimea and she just started to clean the place up. She just started cleaning the place up. And the cleaner they got the place, the less infections they had. And the less infections they had, the more people who lived. Florence Nightingale uh, created uh, the original nurses' training. So all the nurses in the, in the room, uh, uh, you probably heard of... Uh, the Florence Nightingale Oaks. Um, uh, and the thing that really uh, uh, captured my attention was she volunteered. She went over there and did that for no pay. She did it out of the rich sympathy of her heart. In fact, they called her the lady with the light because on many nights when it was when the soldiers were at their most miserable 
she would walk through the uh, she would walk through the the hospital and uh, uh, comfort and encourage them. Out of the deep sympathy of her heart. Sometimes we misunderstand the word sympathy and we turn it into something that is maudlin. We turn it into something that is sappy. But true sympathy is a beautiful and noble thing. And one of the greatest beauties of Jesus Christ is his true sympathy. He is a sympathetic soul. The author of Hebrews said to us, Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. This is an interesting image of Christ has passed through the heavens. It is contrasting Jesus Christ as a high priest or as a chief priest to the chief priests of Aaron, the Old Testament chief priests. Once a year, they had a ritual. It was called the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur. And the chief priest would put on all his vestments. They would offer a lamb on the altar, and the chief priest would take a pan of blood, a golden pan that had blood in it, and he would go into the temple. The first part of the temple was called uh, the holy place. It had the showbread, it had the candles, uh, it had the altar of incense. And then there was another curtain. And behind that curtain was uh, the golden box of the covenant. And on top of the golden box of the covenant, there were carved angels and their wings spanned up over uh, the middle of the top. And once a year, the chief priest would go into uh, the Holy of Holies and he would sprinkle blood from that golden pan on the space right underneath where those wings came together. It was called the mercy seat. All of this was symbolic. This was a symbol of something that was uh, uh, hidden in the mind of God. And it really wasn't understood until Jesus came, and he came as a different kind of chief priest. He didn't come as a chief priest who every year went into the Holy of Holies and sprinkled blood. He came as a chief priest who one time made the ultimate sacrifice he ascended into heaven and the very same way that the chief priest would pass through the curtain into the Holy of Holies, Christ passed 
through the curtain into the, the presence and the amazing uh, 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 majesty of God. And remember last week I told you he ever lives to make intercession for us. Uh, now, the author of Hebrews takes this history and he says, the Old Testament misunderstood. This is all about who Jesus Christ is. I think you should look carefully. It says, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. We have talked on many occasions about the nature of Christ. He is both human, that's the name Jesus, and he is the Son of God, that's his deity. In Jesus Christ, the deity of God and the humanity of man stand in one being. And he is the one who's passed into the presence of God to make a sacrifice forever that forgives your sin. If you believe in Jesus Christ today, he has made a sacrifice that forever forgives your sin. And he did it once. That's all it took. All right. What is implied is that there's something in Christ that is so driven to help us that he was willing to do that. I mean, who would do such a thing? Who would die on the cross for people who underappreciate them? When you think about what Christ did, it's, uh, it's amazing in one way, and it's appalling in another way. If you want to know how Christ really feels about you, you begin by looking at the cross. On the cross, we see most clearly how much Christ really loves us. But he says, we have a confession that we have to hold to. Since Christ has done what he has done, we have a confession that we have to hold to. Uh, I would like to say, uh, we, can, we can say what this confession is in, 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 a, in an ancient uh, uh, document called the Apostles' Creed. What am I supposed to confess about Jesus Christ? The Apostles' Creed says, I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord. Our confession says, I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe he is God's only Son, and I believe he is my Lord. I believe he was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come to judge the living and the dead. This is our confession of faith about Christ. Okay, listen. You can't believe anything you want about Christ and call yourself a Christian. We, we live in an era where we can invent a Jesus that suits us. But it's not the real Jesus. Can you hear me? I don't get to say, I believe Jesus is this, I don't believe he's that. The church has left us a confession. 
The scripture has left us a clear statement of who he is. And if we're going to benefit from his grace, that's what we have to believe. I run into people all the time who have nonsense ideas about Jesus Christ, and then they wonder why Christianity doesn't work for them. Do you hear this? The author of Hebrews says, if we're going to experience the goodness of Christ, we have to hold to our confession. We have to hold on to the true thoughts about the true Jesus Christ. Now I want to ask you, what do you actually believe about Christ yourself? You as a person, what do you actually believe about Jesus Christ? Do you believe that he is God and man in one person? See, if you do, you are believing in the Christ of the Bible. If you don't, you have invented a myth and named it Jesus. Are, are, you, are you following with me here? Do you believe that when Christ walked on the earth, God himself walked on the earth? Do you believe that when Christ died on the cross, he died for something more than a political or a religious agenda, he died to fulfill God's eternal purpose in forgiving our sins? See, it's mandatory that we believe this. It's not up for debate. There is a confession of faith that we absolutely have to hold to. What happens when we don't? Well, just drive around Cleveland and look at some of the places that used to be thriving churches. Just drive around and look at buildings that are falling down that once had people in them who believed the conf and confessed Jesus Christ. And those congregations thrived and grew and God did awesome things in the world. But a generation rose up that was too cool for school. Uh, we don't have to believe that old stuff. We're more enlightened now. And Jesus stopped being the Son of God, the Savior of the world, and he became a social worker. And uh, the church's ministry degenerated down to social work, and now those buildings are empty shells that says, once there was a church here who confessed Jesus Christ, but not anymore. Can you hear me, church? Christ does his great sympathetic work in congregations that hold to the confession of faith. When we stop confessing Christ as our Lord and Savior, uh, it is the death knell to the church. What do you actually believe? Not what should you believe, what do you actually believe? Or let me ask you another way. Do you ever rehearse in your mind what you believe about Jesus Christ? Do you ever contemplate, who is Jesus Christ to me? Now, I have another question I want to ask you. How does your confession of Christ shape your life? See, what I really believe shapes my life. What you really believe shapes your life, right? If I'm really holding to my confession of faith, 
What I think about Christ will shape my life. What I think about Christ will affect the way I treat other people, the way I think about other people, what I want to do with my life, what I think is meaningful. When we hold our confession of faith, when we believe about Christ what we should believe, it has a shaping effect on our lives, and we end up living the Christian life. Do you hear me? I can tell you, I could spend a half hour in your home and tell you what you believe about Christ. The evidence is everywhere, church. You could spend a half hour in my home and guess, you could guess what I believe about Christ. The evidence of what we believe about Christ is lived out in our daily life. All right. Then the author of Hebrews goes on to say, Christ is more than Christ is, uh, he's, he's more than, uh, uh, he's, he's more than our confession because he is alive right now and at the core of his heart is a rich sympathy for every one of us. We do not have a chief priest who is not able to sympathize with our weaknesses, having been tested in all things just like us, but without sin. Uh, uh, I was talking with an elder yesterday about uh, how unsympathetic uh, uh, people can be, uh, particularly Job's friends. Uh, with friends like that, who needs enemy? They had no sympathy for the man. The man was at the worst time in his life and they're hardballing him. But guess what? That seems to be the human race. It is a rare thing for us to continually show sympathy to people who are at their worst. Anybody can be sympathetic for a few minutes. I'm, I can be sympathetic for 10 minutes. Uh, I, I can get 10 good minutes in. But it starts getting to be an hour and, and then it starts grating on my nerves. Anybody? My sympathy tank runs lower and lower. And, uh, 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 all right, we'll just go on. <laughs> Christ's sympathy tank never runs out for you. This is a contrast to the chief priests again. If you read uh, uh, history, the chief priests became elite, arrogant, and they really despised common people. The chief priests became so arrogant, they wouldn't walk into the temple through the same door as everybody else. They had to have their own door. And only priests could walk uh, through that door. They despised people. Uh, when you read the Gospels, you can hear how they have a nasty attitude when they talk to people. They were unable to sympathize with the people that they supposedly represented in the temple. But our great chief priest, he's not like that. He said, learn of me. I'm gentle and I'm humble. We have a chief priest whose characteristic of soul 
is gentle. When you're at his, your worst, his sympathy for you makes him gentle. When you're at your worst, his sympathy for you is expressed in a humbleness of heart that says to you, I can help you. Church, he sympathizes with us, not in our greatness, not in our most golden hours, not when we're getting everything right, but he sympathizes with us in our weakness. All right. When do you really want people to have your back? When you're winning or when you're losing? Huh? Uh, hey, when, when I'm at my worst, I'm hoping my wife still likes me. <laughs> huh? Uh, listen, uh, when we most need sympathy is when we least deserve it. When we most need that, 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 uh, that uh, re-encouragement, uh, that encouragement in our souls, uh, we least deserve it. But we have a Savior, a chief priest, who when we are at our worst, he's at his best. Every one of us know uh, our ugly self. Or I hope so. I hope you're, you haven't gone blind to your ugly self. Uh, everyone in us, every one of us know what's worst about ourselves. And we don't like it. We don't like to remember it. Everyone in here, well, I can't say everyone, every healthy person in here has something about themselves they don't like and they would fix if they could. Church? Yeah. Uh, when you think about that worst self, that ugly part of you, can you add a thought to that? Even though this annoys me, shames me, uh, makes me have regret, it stimulates the sympathy of Jesus Christ. Can you hear that, church? The thing that we don't like about ourselves that's ugly, that is what stimulates the sympathy of Jesus Christ. All right. He never sympathizes with sin. He always sympathizes with the sinner. Can we make that distinction? Christ's sympathy is not for my sin, Christ's sympathy is for what that sin does in ruining my soul, ruining my well-being, ruining my sense of peace. It stimulates the, the sympathy of Jesus Christ. Can you hear this? You say, but Jesus is perfect. How could he possibly understand? The author of Hebrews says, He's been tested in every way that you've been tested. If you think there's nobody who's ever been through what you've been through, you do not know Jesus Christ. Can you hear me? In every way you've been tested, he's been tested. He doesn't look at you in your times of testing 
with uh, disappointment and uh, uh, discouragement. He looks at you and says, I remember what it was like to be tested myself. And because I remember, I have a sympathy for that soul. Church, Christ says, I walked the earth just like you. In fact, I want to say he was tempted beyond what any of us will ever be tempted. I doubt the unholy one will ever show up in your life and said, if you're the son of God, turn these stones into bread. I doubt if he'll ever take you to a pinnacle of a mountain and say, if you worship me, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the earth. What are your temptations? What are your testings compared to his testing? He has been tested in ways that makes him understand what it is like to live your life. What, is, what it is like to experience what you experience. What it's like to be surrounded by people who are uh, like you are surrounded by people. And in that experience that he had, his heart goes out to us and he says, I get it. I get it in a way you don't really understand that I get it. See, here's my trouble. I think when I'm at my worst, I'm annoying Christ. I have this sense that, yeah, I'm annoying you again. Uh, uh, nope, I, have, I, I told you I'd be a better man and I haven't lived up to what I said I would do. I have this sense of Christ looking at me and going, really, dude, this again, really? Okay, but it's not true. Can, can you hear me say, because I feel that way doesn't make it true. In fact, it is just the opposite. When, uh, when, I, think I, when I think I've got it, Christ is probably going, uh, you better take heed. When you think you stand, you're going to fall. Uh, but when I have a sense of, I, I just can't get this right, Christ says, I sympathize with you. I'm here. I'm going to help you. Church. The word sympathy is a compound word, and it literally means to suffer with. So what is sympathy? When, when I have this sense of failing, when I have this sense of not living up to the person that I, God has every right to expect me to be. I remember last week I said, uh, every sin has a connected misery, right? There is no sinning apart from misery. All right. In that sense of, uh, I haven't been the man I should be. I haven't lived up. I didn't do what I said I would do. I did what I said I wouldn't do. All right. In that moment where I'm feeling the misery of sin, sympathy is Christ sharing that sorrow with me. Sympathy is not Christ standing there with his hands on his hips saying, well, well, it's just the opposite. Sympathy is the heart of Christ is feeling sorrow because I have uh, uh, surrounded myself with misery one more time. Church, can you believe in that kind of Christ? Do you believe in that kind of Christ? 
He also, uh, he also sympathizes with us because if anybody knows the peace and joy of getting it right, Christ does. Okay, young people, I'm going to tell you something. If you're under 40, I'm going to do you a big favor. Uh, this, this, uh, it'll save you tons and tons of regret. Uh, all your regrets in life are connected with uh, 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 doing the wrong thing. Hey, the peace and joy you have in your life, that's the natural result of doing the right thing. Can you hear this? If you want to have more peace and more well-being, do the right thing. I've never awakened in the middle of the night remembering something good I did 30 years ago and said, oh, I wish I'd do that over again. Huh? No, I can sleep through that. It's me waking up in the middle of the night remembering 30 years ago and saying, what was wrong with you, you idiot? Church, the misery is uh, connected with not doing it right in life. When you do it right in life, there's a certain peace and joy that goes with that. All right. Christ sympathizes with us in our failures because he doesn't like to see his children lose their sense of peace and joy. He does, he finds no pleasure in seeing you suffer because you've done something wrong. He finds God is most glorified when his children are happiest, right? And so Christ sympathizes with us because he knows better than anyone that peace and joy in life are connected with uh, uh, trusting in him and doing the right thing. Can I t encourage you? When you are at your worst, turn quickly to Jesus Christ. When you are at your worst, I don't care what's happening around you, turn quickly to Jesus Christ. Can I encourage you, when you are tempted, turn quickly to Jesus Christ. We have this promise that there isn't any temptation that's going to come to us that is greater than God's ability to give us a way of escape. When you are tested, turn quickly to the sympathetic Jesus Christ. He'll show you a way of escape. And then this verse, this uh, paragraph ends with, uh, we, uh, we may come boldly to the throne of grace and receive mercy and grace and, um, and, uh, help in the right time Christ says if you understand my heart you will have a greater boldness in coming to me you won't have to you won't be groveling all the time there'll be a greater boldness in you and you'll say there's something good for me in Jesus Christ church you, you, your heart will say, the best thing I can do right now is connect to Jesus Christ. Can I remind you, last week, he ever lives to make intercession for you. you, do, you do you remember that from last week? 
when you come boldly to him, he makes intercession for you. And then look, look how he shows us his sympathy. Uh, he shares his sympathy with us in grace. Do we remember what grace means? Do we remember that it means treating people better than what they deserve, right? Church? I didn't hear any correct answers on that, so I'm going to have to, uh, I'm gonna have to uh, send your report card home. Listen, how does Christ show me mercy? I mean, how does Christ show me grace? I'm tempted, I fail, and then you know what he does? He treats me better than what I deserve. That's grace, right? Okay, the problem is, way too many times in life, we've made a mistake, and people have made us pay. They've shaken that big finger at us, and said, I'll make you pay, and they did make us pay, right? So somehow or another, we start to associate that with God. Our expectation is, because in the past, when we made a mistake, we got a butt kicking, we kind of connect that to God. And in fact, it is just the opposite. When we make mistakes, he is sympathetic, and he treats us better than what we deserve. There's a second word here. It's the word mercy. Mercy is God's answer to misery. When life and, 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 and mistakes and failures make you miserable, God shows you his sympathy through mercy, and he eases the misery. Uh, how does God show us his sympathy? He gives us the right help at the right time. That's hard to figure out sometimes, isn't it? What is exactly the right thing to do and when is the right time to do it? Jesus Christ is so wise that in his sympathy, he knows the right help at the right time. Now, please listen to this. I believe we would be more influential if we were more like Christ. Church? I believe we would be more influential if we were more like Christ. When I'm failing, Christ treats me better than what I deserve. Church? You know what the people around you need when they're failing? They need you to treat them better than what they deserve. Church? Look, I'm serious. I'm talking about this will change your home. This will change the quality of your home. If you will treat each other better than what you deserve, when it's ugly, I guarantee you, you'll have a better home. You'll like each other more. You'll, you'll have a sense of being bonded together in a way that can't, you can't be bonded together in any other way. Do you hear this? I love Christ because he always treats me better than what I deserve. And I want to share that very same principle in the world. Uh, you have friends who are miserable. You have family members who are miserable. They live in a very dark place, a church. 
God's answer to misery is mercy. God's answer to misery is mercy. What if you start meeting your friend or family member who's, who, who's suffering uh, real misery and you start meeting them with mercy? You get, you get a softer tone in your voice. You get a kinder feel to the moment. You go out of your way to share peace where misery is predominant. People around us need the right help at the right time. Church, it's one of the things I'm proud of in this church. Uh, we help thousands of people every year. We help thousands of people every year. And we want people to have their dignity so we don't always uh, publish every good thing we do. But church, the right help at the right time makes all the difference in the world. Uh, uh, and it's so much like Christ. It is so much like Christ. Christ is more sympathetic than what you know. I'm asking you to rethink who you think Christ is and see him as the source of sympathy that your soul needs and look to him for grace, mercy, and the right help at the right time. All right. I can't let this go. There are people in your life who have moral failures. I hear, I, I, I've heard the stories for 40 years. All right. I also know that these moral failures have a wounding effect on your soul. You're wounded. All right. But I know the cure for that wound is not continued resentment. The cure for that wound is not mistrusting the rest of your life. The cure for that wound is the sympathy of Jesus Christ. Where your heart has been crushed by the moral failure of someone else, there is the sympathy of Jesus Christ that is able to make you whole. Church? Now here's the hard part. Uh, you're the one who has the broken heart. You're the one who was treated unfairly. You're the one who was lied to. Christ shows up in your life and he says, I'm going to heal you. And then I'm going to ask you to do the same thing for someone else. Church? Can you hear that? I'm going to ask you to be a healing influence for someone else. We have physical disappointments. We get sick. We get diseases. We get old. Uh, things don't feel good like they used to all the time. Uh, Christ said, I can sympathize with that too. I can sympathize with you in the normal push and shove of life. Church, 
was in an accident some years ago, and it was the middle of the night. I was in. I had been in. I'd been in the hospital prison for. It seemed like forever. Doctor wouldn't let me go home. It wasn't really a prison. It just felt that way. I'm sorry. Uh, health workers. It was the middle of the night. I couldn't sleep. I was as miserable as a body can possibly be. And I was sitting there on the side of that bed, and uh, I was just saying to God, okay, I can't take anymore. I'm really done with this. Uh, I, I got to have some help. And uh, out of the clear blue, this nurse walked into my room. Uh, you never saw nurses at St. Luke's Hospital in the middle of the night. I don't know where they were, but you never saw them. This beautiful nurse uh, uh, put clean sheets on my bed and put them real tight, you know, the, the, instead of it all be all balled up and stuff. Uh, made the sheets real tight, uh, got everything. Uh, I had a bunch of tubes and stuff in me, got me uh, laying on my side, and... Uh, 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 just before I fell asleep, I said, thank you. The sympathy of Christ is not just a spiritual thing. It's also he meets us in our physical needs, in our physical moments, in, in, in the physical uh, a battering of life. Some of you are experiencing economic distress. The sympathy of Christ extends to economic distress. All right, I want to make a simple suggestion. Attend our budgeting class. We have people here who can help you get back on track. All right, having said that, in your economic distress, you're not alone. In your economic fears, you're not alone. In, 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 uh, in uh, the, uh, the, uh, the unknown of inflation and recession and all that other stuff, you're not alone. You have a sympathetic high priest who cares about your economic life. He's willing to sympathize with you there. So then, when you think about the sympathy of Christ, I want you to think, uh, the sympathy of Christ extends to my spiritual life. It extends to my spiritual health and well-being. It extends to my spiritual grace, mercy, and, and help. All right. But it doesn't end there. The sympathy of Christ doesn't end with a spiritual lesson. It keeps flowing into your life. It meets you in your heart where moral failures have broken you. It meets you in your life where your physical life is challenging and difficult. It meets you in your life where your economic uh, world is uh, putting pressure on you. The sympathy of Jesus Christ is a life sympathy. And I believe if we share the soft touch and the loving whisper of the sympathetic Christ with other people, more people would believe in him. Our dear Heavenly Father, I call upon your name. Uh, I give thanks to you that you are, uh, you are a, sympathetic, uh, 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 a sympathetic being. I pray for all my brothers and sisters who are here, and I pray for those who are watching online.
I pray that the sympathy of Christ would touch each soul exactly where it needs to be touched. I also pray that you would stir up within us a desire to be more like you in showing sympathy to others. May we be more gracious. May we be more merciful. Uh, may we be more helpful. May, may something of the gentleness of Jesus Christ flow through us in sympathy for others that can make a real difference in their lives. And I ask this in Jesus' name.